Chapter Eleven of Southern Arabia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Southern Arabia by James and Mabel Bent. Chapter Eleven: The Wadi Ser and the Sabra Salah. On January seventeen, we started from Al Katoun with only seven of our camels and two of the sultans packed with forage to be away several days. The sultan wished to lend his horses, but my husband refused. However, he had to ride one, a gray, for fear of giving offence, and this was given to him as a present afterwards. And he rode it whenever the rocks allowed till we reached the coast. We eventually sent this horse Zubda butter and my basha back to their respective donors though they really expected us to take them to aden we had two men of the nahad tribe as our esiera our start took a very long time for the sultan attended by many people came a mile on foot we travelled four hours and a half partly through land that would have been cultivated had there been rain and partly through salt desert till we turned north-west into the wadi ser where there is a sandy desert from the entrance to wadi ser we could see shabam in the distance an unpromising-looking spot among sand-hills we were able to find shelter at hanya under an enormous thorny badam tree covered with fruit and we felt like birds out of a cage for we never could walk out at al Katoun without a crowd and the greasiness and spiciness of the food was beginning to pall we had a delightful camp but had to be very careful not to drop things in the sand as they so quickly disappeared we had a new man called isalem who had to take care of the horses pluck chickens and help in pitching the camp his wonder at the unfolding and setting up of the beds chairs etc was great there was also an old man called hadar abul he and one of the soldiers could talk hindustani so with imam sharif's help we were somewhat independent of salah though we had thought it necessary to bring him to keep him from working us harm we continued our way up the wadi ser for about five hours and camped at al had in a field near a house close to some high banks which radiated intense heat and suffered the more that we had to wait a long time for the tea that we always had with our luncheon as our water had been stolen in the night we always tried to save some to carry on and start with next day fearing we might fare worse in the next place we came to the well at this spot is the last water in this direction for we were reaching the confines of the great central desert wadi ser being such a waste of sand is very sparsely populated the bedouin here like the turkomans live in scattered abodes little groups of two or three houses dotted about and solitary homesteads it belongs to the kateri tribe who are at war with the yafai they once owned shahar and makala and took al Katoun, but in a war in eighteen seventy four the yafai were supported by the english hence their friendship for england the animosity still continues and there is little intercourse between shiwan and shibam though only twelve miles apart the kateri have more of the bedou about them and the yafai have more of the arab our esiar was twenty-five dollars the people were preparing for rain which may never come they had had none for two years but if they get it every three years they are satisfied as they get a sufficient crop as it comes in torrents and with a rush each field is provided with a dike and a dam which they cut to let the water off this dike is made by a big scraper like a dustpan called miss hop harnessed by chains to a camel or bullocks 
the camel goes over the existing bank and when the dustpan reaches the summit the men in attendance upset the surface sand or soil that has been scraped off and carry the scraper down when this is done the field is lightly ploughed there is nothing more to do except to sit and wait for rain we saw signs of great floods in some parts whenever we found ruins still visible in or near the hatremont we found them on elevated spots above the sand level from which we might argue that all centres of civilization in the middle of the valleys lie deeply buried in sand which has come down in devastating masses from the highland and the central desert the nature of the sand in this district is twofold firstly we have the less or firm sand which can be cultivated and secondly the disintegrated desert sand which form itself into heaps and causes sandstorms when the wind is high the mountains diminish in height the farther north one goes the character of the valleys is pretty much the same as that of those to the south of the main valley only they are narrower and much lower and thus the deep indenture of the valley system of the hatramount gradually fades away into the vast expanse of the central desert the wazir had been given a bag of money to buy fowls and lambs for us but salah came and said the wazir wants some money for a lamb so it was sent and returned it had not been asked for and caused some offence but that odious little wretch only wished to make mischief the bedouin are rather clever at impromptu verses and when we were in wadi ser they made night hideous by dancing in our camp the performers ranged themselves in two rows as in sir roger de coverley time is kept by a drum and by perpetual hand-clapping and stamping of the feet whilst two men execute elaborate capers in the centre singing as they do so such words as these the ship has come from europe with merchandise they shot at the minaret with a thousand cannon bedouin women also take part in these dances and the arabs think the dances very impious it was very weird by the light of the moon and the campfire, but wearisome when we wanted to sleep particularly as they kept it up until after we were all astir in the morning yelling bawling singing and screeching isolum being the ringleader the ground was shaken as if horses were galloping about a bedow was playing a flute made of two leg-bones of a crane bound together with iron at a distance of half an hour from our camp there is a stone with an inscription this was visited on the day of our arrival but we went again next day that i might photograph it very difficult in the position in which it is it is a great rough boulder about ten feet high that has slipped down from the mountain with large rough sabean letters just punched on the surface of no depth but having a whitish appearance the letters run in every direction sometimes side by side sometimes in columns the central and most important word which my husband was able to make out with the help of professor hamel's admirable dictionary of hitherto ascertained hemorrhetic words is massabam or caravan road the stone seemed to be a kind of signpost for as the old bedow sheikh who was with us said there was in olden days about five hundred years ago a caravan road this way to mecca before the bahra safi made it impassable the bara safi is a quicksand north of shabwa but none of those present had been there and they all laughed at von reed's story of king safi and his army being engulfed in it the bedow sheikh with his retinue came to see that we took no treasure out of the stone there are a good many old stones built into the side of the stream bed 
having taken a copy and a photograph which my husband sent later to dr d h muller in vienna to decipher we departed we were told that the wadi Ser goes four hours from that stone to the great desert we then turned back and followed our kafila to alagam at the junction of wadi Ser and wadi latat about two hours journey alagam is a large cluster of high houses surrounded by stables and houses excavated in the sand hills where the inhabitants and their cattle live in hot weather this is quite an idea suited to the bedouin who live in caves when they can find them the bedouin in southern arabia never have tents we found that salah had joined the camel men in resisting our own people who wanted to camp under trees they had unloaded in the open and salah and islam had then retired into the village till the tents were pitched so as we were to remain in this place two days we had them moved we had by this time some of the kateri tribe with us as a sierra at al garin the wadi ser is entered by a short collateral valley called the wadi konab in which valley is the tomb of the prophet salah one of the principal sacred places of the district kabra salah is equally venerated with the kabra haud also called the tomb of the prophet Abair, for from what we could gather from the statements of intelligent natives Abair and haud are synonymous terms which is to be found in the tahmimi country further up the main valley the prophet haud was sent to reclaim the tribe of ad the mahra tribe are descended from a remnant of the adites as also are the hadrami according to the legends once a man named kolab when seeking for camels came upon a beautiful garden of aram de tala ahmad which is supposed to have been in the desert near aden he found and brought away a priceless jewel which came into possession of the first amniad khalifa narajedit those who embraced islamism on the preaching of the prophet haud were spared but the rest either were suffocated by a stifling wind or survived in the form of apes whose descendants still inhabit jabel shamshan at aden a remnant are also said to have fled to the Kuria maria islands we again met with considerable opposition from the bedouin and our escort when we proposed a visit to kabra salah next day however this was overcome by threats of reporting the opposition to sultan salah on our return to al kutun so next morning we started the sultan of shibam's people were just as anxious to go as we were for they were delighted to get the chance of making a pilgrimage to so holy a place which being in an enemy's country they would not have done but for our escort a short ride of two hours brought us nearly to the head of wadi Konab and there situated just under the cliff in an open wilderness is the celebrated tomb it consists simply of a long uncovered pile of stones somewhat resembling a potato pie with a headstone at either end and a collection of fossils from the neighbouring mountains arranged along the top hard by is a small house where the pilgrims take their coffee and the house of the bedou mullah who looks after the tomb is about a quarter of a mile off beyond this there is no habitation in sight a more desolate spot could hardly be found the tomb is from thirty to forty feet in length and one of the legends concerning it is that it never is the same length sometimes being a few feet shorter sometimes a few feet longer the bedouin have endless legends concerning this prophet he was a huge giant they said the father of the prophet haud or a bear
he created camels out of rock and hence is especially dear to the wandering bedow and he still works miracles for if even unwittingly any one removes a stone from this grave it exhibits symptoms of life and gives the possessor much discomfort until it is returned once a dome building was erected over the tomb but the prophet manifested his dislike of being thus enclosed and it was removed men are said to go blind if they steal anything connected with the tomb once a man took a cup from the coffee-house unaware of the danger he incurred tied it to his girdle and carried it off it stuck to him till he restored it another man took a stone away and gave it to his children to play with but it hopped about till taken back again at the time of the sierra or pilgrimage which takes place in november crowds of bedouin we are told come from all over the valleys and hills around to worship all our men treated the grave with the greatest respect and said their prayers around it barefoot i do not know what they would have done to imam sharif if he had not comported himself as the others did so that wretched man had to walk barefoot all round on the sharp stones and thus we obtained the measurements he got dreadfully prickled by thorns and coveted the fossils very much the stones of which the tomb is composed are about the size of cannon-balls and look just as if newly put together and quite weedless people stroke the upright stone at the head and then rub their hands on their breast and kiss them and do the same at the foot the wazir would have led us up close to it but the bedouin hated our being there at all and would by no means let us sleep there as we wished to do we overheard our horrid little salah hassan telling the bystanders that we live on pork when we first got there we were permitted to approach within a few yards of the tomb so that we saw it very distinctly but when after eating our luncheon and taking a siesta under a tree we again advanced to inspect it the bedau mullah attacked us with fierce and opprobrious language and fearing further to arouse the fanaticism of these wild people we speedily mounted our horses and rode away we hoped to be able to visit kabra Houd, the tomb of nebi salah's son in the main valley but as it will appear we were to be disappointed i am told on reliable arab authority that it is similar in every way to the kabra salah just a long pile of stones about forty feet in length uncovered and with its adjacent mosque these two primitive tombs of their legendary prophets zealously guarded and venerated by the bedouin are a peculiar and interesting feature of the hadramaut it is a curious fact that when one turns to the tenth chapter of genesis the best record we have of the earliest populations of our globe we find the patriarchal names salah Abair, and hazamabeth which last as i previously stated corresponds to hadramaut following one another in their order though not an immediate sequence i am at a loss to account for these names still being venerated by the bedouin unless one admits a continuity of legendary history almost too wonderful to contemplate or else one must consider they were heathen sites of veneration which have under moslem influence been endowed with orthodox names certain it is that these tombs in the midst of the wilderness are peculiarly the property of the bedouin and though visited and to a certain extent venerated by the arabs the latter do not attach so much importance to them as they do to the tombs of their own walis or saints which are always covered tombs near or in the centre of the towns another curious point i may mention in connection with these tombs is that the arab historian Hyakwit, in his mugam tells us of a god in the hatrimaut called al-ghalsad who was a gigantic man 
perhaps this god may have some connection with the giant tombs of salah and eber also mccreesy who wrote in the tenth century a d speaks of a giant's grave he saw near shabwa near al agam we saw a quantity of very ancient stone monuments situated on slightly elevated ground above the sand at first we imagined them to be tombs but on closer inspection we discovered that the erections which are large unhewn ones of the cromlech type are decorated inside with geometric patterns somewhat similar to those we found in the mashonalan ruins and therefore my husband was more inclined to believe they were originally used for religious purposes there are traces of letters above the pattern the buildings are about twenty feet square and several are surrounded by circular walls they are apparently of extreme antiquity and doubtless far anterior in date to any other hemorrhitic remains that we saw in the hadramaut the wazir joined us as usual on our return from the cabra salah as we sat outside our tent in the moonlight with imam sharif and the indian interpreters and we had a pleasant evening we were perfectly charmed to see great preparations for sleep going on among the bedouin we thought they really must be tired after dancing the whole night and walking the whole day they were busy putting themselves to bed in graves dug in the loose dust not sand turbans girdles and so forth being turned into bedclothes just as they were still Isalam began capering about and they all got up shouting and screaming but the wazir seeing my distress with the greatest difficulty quieted them as he did when they broke out again at three o'clock in the morning it took us six hours the following day to ride back to alkatoon where not being expected we could not get a meal of even bread honey and dates for about an hour and a half and then had to wait till we were very sleepy indeed for supper we endured great hunger that day Salem ben ali the other wazir had not come with us because he was not well the day of our reception in curvetting about he fell from his horse and had suffered various pains ever since the sultan had had another stone brought for us from al grand we did not care to take this away as it had very little writing on it only al amin to the protection it is circular one foot four and a half inches in diameter two and a half inches high made of coarse marble we saw a similar circular stone at rydown the wildest reports were going about as to the water stone we already had it was almost the cause of an insurrection against the sultan of shabam they said it is very wrong to give that stone to a gavir as they call us for all the k's are pronounced g only think of our carelessly letting him have it the englishman has taken fifteen jewels of gold and gems out of it and named a high value you are sure of this said the sultan to the ringleader oh yes quite certain he said so the sultan led him to our room where the stone was and said do you know the stone again look closely at it has anything happened to it but a washing the man looked extremely small they said my husband's only business was to extract gold from stones it is extraordinary how widespread this belief is it is firmly rooted in greece many a statue and inscription have been shivered to atoms because of it and our interest in inscriptions was constantly attributed to a wish to find out treasure 
we once saw two men in asia minor industriously boring away into a column to find gold they told us they already had made a hole about eight inches deep and four or five inches wide they think that the ancients had a way of softening marble with acid we had again at this time a great many patients for as we really had effected some cures the first time we were at alcatoon our fame had spread we always had matthias and imam sharif to help us to elicit the symptoms and also to consult with us as to the cures because some remedies which suit europeans were by no means suited to the circumstances of our patients for instance the worst coughs i have ever heard were very prevalent but it would be useless to ask the sick to take a hot foot-bath and stay in bed the one blue garment which in different shapes was all the men and women wore was little protection from the chill of the evening the women's dresses were always hanging off their backs and the men who had each two pieces of thick blue cotton about two yards long by one and a half yard wide with fringes half a yard long wore one as a permanent petticoat and the other as a girdle by day and when cold as a shawl often put on in a very uncomfortable way thrown on in front and left hanging open behind forming no protection to the back of the lungs the poor little baby aged fifteen months of the wazir salam bin abdullah was brought shrieking in agony gnawing hard at its emaciated little arms and all covered with sores our hearts were wrung at this wretched sight and we longed to help we even thought of giving it part of a drop of chlorodyne much diluted but fortunately for us dared not do so for my husband said to them i do not think the child will live long it mercifully was released in a few hours then an old man came who had a flame in his inside my husband examined him and decided that he had an abscess and to please him gave him a dessert spoonful of borax and honey which he swept up with his finger and i suppose it did relieve him for after some minutes he said the fire is gone out it grieved us sorely when poor souls came to us so hopefully and so confident of help with a withered arm or an empty eye socket some with less serious complaints than these last we recommended to go to aden hospital a building of which we never thought at that time we should be inmates ourselves we found the ladies to whom a plentiful supply of violent pills had been administered were better but the sultan who had an attack of indigestion had to be taken in hand at once by us doctors his wife required a tonic so we got out some citrate of iron and quinine a bright shiny greenish-yellow flaky thing which imam sharif assured us would be more beneficial and better liked if shown and admired as gold so after some conversation about pious frauds i packed the medicine up neatly and wrote in ornamental letters golden health giver and this name being explained and translated gave great satisfaction we were glad to be able to give the kind sultan a new bottle of quinine more acceptable than gold while we were away mahmoud had found two little hedgehogs one was dead and stuffed the other we kept alive for some time and it always liked to creep into my clothes and go to sleep i suppose because i never teased it in the little book of directions for zoological collectors we saw that little is known of the reproduction of lizards so special attention is to be paid etc
mahmoud had brought me two little fragile eggs to keep about half an inch long and i had put them in a match-box i tow and packed them in my trunk and on my return to alkatoon i found two little lizards about one and a fourth inch long one alive and the other dead both had to be pickled as we did not understand how to bring so small a lizard up by hand they proved to be new to science as was also a large lizard we found near hara whose peculiarity is that he has no holes along his legs to breathe by like other lizards his name is aporoscales bentiti the first lizard's egg i had i was determined should not slip through my fingers but alack and well a day my fingers slipped through it in the meantime we were terrible bones of contention and had the wadi hatramat all by the ears we were very anxious indeed as to whether we could proceed any farther or should have to go back and whether we could do either safely we wanted to go right along the wadi hatramat and to see bir borhat or barahat a solfatare as far as we could make out but mosadi in the tenth century speaks of it as the greatest volcano in the world and says that it casts up immense masses of fire and that its thundering noise can be heard miles away on the heights near is much brimstone which the bedouin find useful for gunpowder they consider this place is the mouth of hell and that the souls of the kaffirs go there in iceland there is a similar accommodation for those souls von reed thinks it was the fons stiges of ptolemy but m de Gige thinks that ptolemy alluded to some place farther west and south of marib certainly the position given by ptolemy does not coincide with that of bir borhat from arabian society in the middle ages by s lanepool i take the following notices of this place el kaswini says of bir borhat it is a well near hadramaut and the prophet god bless and save him said in it are the souls of infidels and hypocrites it is an adite well in a dry desert and a gloomy valley and it is related of ali may god be well pleased with him that he said the most hateful of districts to god whose name be exalted is the valley of barahout in which is a well whose waters are black and fetid where the souls of infidels make their abode el asme has narrated of a man of hadramaut that he said we find near barahout an extremely disgusting and fetid smell and then news is brought to us of the death of a great man of the chiefs of infidels ejeb el makluget also relates that a man who passed a night in the valley of barahout said i heard all night exclamatives of o oh, rume o oh, rume and i mentioned this to a learned man and he told me that it was the name of the angel commissioned to keep guard over the souls of the infidels birborhat is not far from cabra haud which is said by some to be even longer and wider than cabra salah the route lies through the territory of the kateri and the yafai are quite ignorant of it it would be quite unsafe for them to go to the sea along the valley and they always use the road over the tableland the kateri tyrannize over the sultan of shuwan and are enemies to the sultan of shibam beyond them are the minhali who are also enemies then the amri and the tathmimi who are friendly and then come the mahri 
the sultan told us that not even he could prevent us going along the kafila path but we should not be admitted into any villages and should probably be denied water one source of enmity between the kateri and the yafai is i believe a debt which the kateri owe and will not pay the sultan of shiwan borrowed three lakhs of rupees from a grandfather of the present sultan of makala he would not repay them so after much squabbling the case was referred to the english at aden who after duly considering the papers gave makala and shahir bombarding them first to the yafai in answer to the seven letters there was nothing from the sultan of shiwan and the sultan of tarim sent a verbal answer do as you please taking no responsibility to which sultan salah replied i have sent you a letter send me a letter the sheikh of the kateri tribe came to al katoun and said he would take us but on january twenty three we heard that the sultan of shiwan had made a proclamation in the mosque there forbidding the people to admit the unbelievers to the town though we could easily go by the kafila road leaving the town of shiwan two miles on one side the sultan deemed it wiser for us not to attempt it as brawls might arise the two tribes being at war so we then decided to mount on to the akaba pass the inhospitable shiwan and tarim and reach the friendly tatmimi tribe the kateri kabila or tribe really came to shiwan to be ready for us but the saids had collected a large sum of money and bribed the sultan to send them away we were hoping to get off to shibam but as the sultan was neither well nor in a very good humour we had to resign ourselves to settling down in alkatoon in all patience he said he must accompany us as he could not depend on his wazirs for they were too stupid my husband and i were always occupied he used to sketch in watercolours and i had plenty of work developing photographs in a delightful little dark room where i lived and enjoyed as many skins of water as i could use till i had to stop and pack my celluloid negatives like artificial flowers for they curled up and the films contracted and split from the alkaline water i had to put glycerin on them when i reached aden our botanist nearly died of dullness and impatience mahmoud was quite contented to sit quite still and i do not think the indian servants minded much poor Imam sharif used to gaze up at half a dozen stars from a yard but he dared not venture on the roof to see more we took a stroll with the sultan one day no crowd being allowed and remarked how many things were grown for spices those spices which were becoming rather wearisome to us there was samauta an umbelliferous plant the seed of which is used in coffee and habat asoba for putting in bread coriander chili fennel and heft a plant very much like tall cress which is used in cookery and also raw and which we liked as a salad also attar a purple creeping bean very pretty and good to eat there was another low-growing bean brinyal eggplant cucumber watermelon henna and indigo the sultan had besides a private enclosure where he had some lime trees not our kind of lime tree of course but the one which bears fruit and i must not forget cotton from which the place originally took its name as it is abundant in a wild state at last another polite letter came from the kateri and a letter from the sultan of tarim 
i have both your letters and you can do as you like my answer is the same this did away with all hope of progress in that direction our spirits however were much cheered by hearing that the sultan had received a letter from a said at meshid probably the nice one who had been in india and had leprosy in his legs telling him how badly the sultan of hagarim had behaved about us as this was spontaneous we hoped that the negotiation our sultan was going to undertake about our excavations at meshid raidown or kubar al molik for some part of the ruin is called the tomb of the kings would turn out successfully the sultan of hagarin was summoned to al Kutun, but we were away before he came i believe in the end he was turned out of his place former misdeeds counting against him End of chapter 11